You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Sam Lip. Sam, thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. Sam, we're talking on June 29th in 2022, and I, I just saw your your beautiful show at Deroja Gallery in um, in the city, and and I wanted to to walk through that with you a little bit, you know, kind of an audio audio tour, I suppose. Um, how do you feel about the show so far? You know, you, you this is one of of several shows you've done in, in in working in a similar vein. How do you feel? I don't know. Just what's the framework on on, on this show in in terms of as opposed to past work? You know, for me, all these shows, what I'm seeing now, are almost everything seems like it's post pandemic. But probably that's not maybe just how you see it. How how do you see this show as opposed to previous shows? Yeah, well, um, I mean, it is in a way post pandemic, but it was the culmination in a way for me of you know almost six or seven years of thought and then uh, over a year of physical labor on the actual exhibition. So now that it's finished, I feel extremely relieved (laughs) and happy and um, excited to sort of, I guess there was a lot of complex thought in the, in this show and sort of complex uh, ways of getting at it through the technique. And so it took me a long time to sort of figure out how to do that. And now that I've done that, I feel like I, I have that, you know, I have that sort of locked down now and I can sort of sublimate that into just making work now. So, um, yeah, it feels really good. So let's talk about the, yeah, the making of the work because, you know, I, I look closely at this show and walk through it. You, you know, one thing that, I realize doesn't read online and, you know, listeners make out of the website, you know, DeRoche's website and see the work is the surface of what's happening on, on this work. And so to, to talk about, I, I mean, content and surface, your, your, your unusual technique. Um, maybe we should start with one has a French title, Sortie de Lucine 2020, that's pencil on steel. And it looks kind of like a steel door from a cabinet like ripped off there's still hinge holes and and, and, and screw yeah, holes exactly yeah let's talk a little bit about this because the, the the surface at once is kind of amazing it's like what's happening here I know that's part of what you do but of course also the content is, is 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 similar what's happening here what what act is this where are we in in the middle of what seems like one frame out of a out of a video yeah there is sort of this filmic sequential thing going on but yeah to talk about the surface, yeah, so that piece of, all of the works in the show are made on steel. And some of the work, including the one you just mentioned, are found pieces of steel. So in my daily life, I'm sort of encountering a lot of detritus in the streets, usually from like the federal courthouses, which is near where my studio is. And so I sort of just like, like a magpie, just like take these little bits of steel into my studio and hold on to them and occasionally turn them into artwork. Um, and so that piece that you're discussing that's made with pencil, there are two works that are pencil. All the other works are oil paint on steel. But the pencil works, both of them actually sort of started with the intention of becoming painting, but then I sort of just fell into the rabbit hole of 
making it and realized that the pencil mark was the mark that it was going to be. So, yeah. So, uh, pencil, so, so, so just to stop you right there, pencil on steel. You know, when, when I was looking at it, I'm like, are these fixed? Is it a very, a very delicate surface? Uh, how, does, how does that work? How does it kind of stay where it is? Is it, is it kind of stable or, or, or not? I, I don't mean that for kind of archival reasons, but I'm just, when I was there, I'm looking closely at the surface and thinking, is this an incredibly delicate surface? Yeah. I, that one is not incredibly delicate. It is fixed. That piece, that piece of found steel was like, you know, an enameled piece of steel from a, like a mirror, ca- a, a medicine cabinet door. And um, so it sort of has a natural primer on it because of the paint. And then, but more so than that, the pencil I, is like, it's really kind of like in there because I'm, a very labored process where I'm like drawing a lot and then erasing a lot. And if you've ever like spent a lot of time erasing something, you know that like it's kind of hard to do. <laughs> you know, like it's once they never once completely you, come off. I mean, there's always like the shadow yeah, exactly. of it. It's always a smear of so, it, kind of, yeah. Exactly. So I'm like penciling and then erasing and penciling and erasing. So the, those marks are pretty kind of like locked in. But the, on that one, it is fixed. There's another piece that's penciled directly on stainless steel. And that one is not fixed, mostly because because it has, like, the stainless steel has this sort of, like, natural luster to it that sort of makes this iridescent image in a way. And that one is not fixed. That one is a delicate surface. I all, Which image I, is that that you're talking about? This is the one called Patrick's Chest. It was sort of directly across from it. Yeah, I remember like, that, one. that one. That one I remember looking at in particular also and saying to the curator that I was walking around with, like, what, what's happening here? That seems, yeah, kind of like it's embedded in the surface. I didn't understand that surface at all. So that's the one you're, you're going on to describing now. That's a slightly different technique. Yeah, well, it's just a different substrate is really what it is. But um, being a piece of stainless steel versus uh, just sort of regular enameled steel. Um, and the, what I learned after making that piece was that it's called stainless steel for a reason, meaning that it doesn't really want to accept mark making. So yeah. I sort of had to fight, had to fight with that one a lot. Um, but also, like, I, there's so many layers of pencil on it that it's sort of I, I, I don't think it's really that delicate. It's just that the luster of the surface um, would receive fingerprints, so it just can't be touched by fingers, you know. But otherwise, it's sort of the pencil sort of sets in a way also. That's so interesting. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful work and beautiful services. Um, so I, I want to talk about, you know, the, the, a few different kinds of work in this show, but we haven't really talked about the content of it yet. These are, yeah. these all feel like film stills a little bit. They they are, or video stills. Um, yeah, can you can you tell me a little bit about that? Can, there's also the back room, of course, which we could talk about. It's great, but uh, yeah, let's talk about the content in this show. Yeah, well, so um, the title of the show is Leaving the Factory, which is a reference to the very first film ever made by the Lumiere brothers who filmed their workers leaving their own factory as sort of like this test. It was sort of like a proof to make to show that moving image could happen. And so this is sort of this enigmatic historical object 
the workers leaving the factory because it's sort of such a strange film and that's like the very first film. And anyway, I sort of was contemplating that film as I was in involved in the process of, you know, being on social media, being on apps, including like apps that are for, you know, hookups or something or just, you know, all these different ways that we sort of image ourselves and we're like imaging our bodies and um, exchanging those images. Um, you know, both I was receiving these images from other people and creating them myself. And I was think, just like looking at them, printing them out, I was like sort of struck by these images and I was printing them out and I was noticing this sort of sequential nature of the images and how they sort of looked like an early like Edward Moybridge, you know, trying to capture uh, motion in in photographic image. And so I guess I was just thinking about this sort of like, this is this type of labor that we do. You know, like there are a lot of people who are getting paid off of us making all of these images and exchanging these images. A lot of people getting extremely rich and consolidating power off of these things. And, and, so, and, and, by, and by that you mean, just, just, just to stop you there, that means the people who run platforms that are, that kind of enable hookups, dates, whatever, where people present imagery to each other of... Uh, uh, I mean... Uh, no, uh, is, I, is, is, is that what we're, that's what we're discussing, that, right? That, that yeah, in exceptional cases, Mark Zuckerberg getting rich off of all of us making these images. But, you know, there's a lot of different extended senses sure, of sure. that. And in an extended way, this is sort of like a sexualized labor because it all revolves around our bodies, you know? There's sort of... the and like there's this performance of identity that happens and there's this performance of, you know, of the body. So it relates to sex. So I sort of wanted to make this joke a little bit that's a little bit crass maybe, but I tried to handle it in the most tasteful way I could, which is like that in an extended sense, we're all sort of like sex workers leaving the factory. Um, like this like sort of extended factory that is our our I like that. Our that, makes, that, that. That makes sense to me. That's, you know, that's, that yeah, that that that's clear. I think, of course, we are. That, that, that's funny, but also it makes sense in terms of how we use media. That that we are. That we're part yeah. of the language of presenting ourselves is sexualized, and and everybody knows that. Even we're 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 aware of that to to some extent, no matter who you are or, or where you are. Right? How do you look? Yeah. So then the other piece of the show, I guess, is that it sort of uses this language of street signs, um, which is... Right, so, 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 so this is, yeah, I wanted to talk about that, sorry to interrupt, but this is like a, a, almost like a second body of work woven with, within these, uh, these narrative images. We see, uh, yeah. you know, what really kind of lovely minimalist, sometimes pink triangles with two screws going in them that are also painted pink uh, that, are, that, that look like... Um, yeah, a, t a type of street signage, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so those are sort of like this punctuation. But, uh, yeah, so the, the images that you were referring to earlier that sort of have this film sequence feeling, video stills, uh, they're figurative images, I guess, and they're all sort of of gay men. Two of them are self-portraits of myself that are sort of like, based on photographs I took of myself and then redrew and drew a bunch of times and then made into painting. And the images I sort of imagined, re, 
envisioned myself as this sort of like younger, like twink self, sort of this like effeminate, younger gay mm. idea of myself. And the poses in those images are me in this sort of like submissive pose where like my ass is sort of like in the air and like my head is like pressed down against the ground. So those two are sort of like, for me, that's like sort of the, the climax of the show. And that's very much this works that I have the most personal stake in, I guess, because they're about me and they're sort of about personal narrative. And um, I guess, you know, in regard to what I was just talking about with the sex workers leaving the factory, just sort of thinking about this performance of sexuality and performance of gender and performance of, that becomes this performance of identity that we all are involved with. And I guess the images, these sort of submissive images are, a way of dealing with that autobiographical experience of, I don't know, growing up and figuring that stuff out and how it sort of, you know, residual traumas that happen from it. But I guess it's coming from a place now of, like, resolve, where I've, like, figured out how I feel about those things for myself and I can make this image that puts it in the past tense, you know? I like that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And... um there's a back room there. There's a, a gallery main space, and then there's a, I guess what could be called a back room. Um, yeah. Which, you know, back, back rooms are always kind of interesting, right? Because there's separated spaces from the galleries. You can just extend the show in there, or you can make a little a kind of um, statement within that back room. It could be a different body of work. And that one also seemed to kind of made me smile. I, I wasn't sure exactly why, <laughs> but there seemed to be... Um, yeah, something going on just back there, or, or correct me if I'm wrong, that was different than, not different than the rest of the show, but... Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, well, I, I actually, I only found out that there was going to be a back room part of the show, like, two weeks before the show, <laughs> so I was like, shit, I have to make something good, like, you know, it can't just be, like, an afterthought, but, um, so that piece, I had sort of imagined making this third image of myself, and I was trying to do it, I had this... I knew that, like, uh, the, well, so for the viewers who aren't seeing this, uh, or listeners, uh, the front room is all sort of in, like, gray scales with, like, these sort of, like, accents of pink. So it's sort of this, like, black and white with pink thing, which was always sort of what I conceived the color palette to be. And then halfway through making the show, I was like, I need to have this, like, counterpoint that's, like, blue. Like, there has to be this blue moment. I don't know. This was just intuitive. And... So I've been working on this third self-portrait that I was like, it has to be blue, and there's going to be, like, this white face against blue. And I kept trying to make it, but it just was coming out stupid. <laughs> and, um, and so then I watched this film called um, Body Without Soul by a Polish director whose name I would butcher if I tried to pronounce it, but uh, it's on Amazon. You can look it up. It's from the 90s, and it's about... Um, it's about teen male hustlers working in Prague in the 90s. And it's a very sort of dark, shocking film in a way, but it's also sort of beautiful and, you know, captures this time in history that I'm not sure if exists still. But anyway, watching this film, there, this image presented itself to me of this face that I had been sort of trying to create, this, like, face in this blue space and I was like oh it's a painting already like it just has to become a painting so that's how that image was created and it yeah it sort of uh 
you know, pertain related to the content I was already developing, and it just sort of seemed to fit in nicely. And so then in the context of that back room, it sort of is the, is the image that most directly looks sort of like a video still, and the shape of the, of the painting is like a TV screen sort of. So I sort of was imagining it as this sort of like back video room or something. Oh, I like that. Back video room seems seems clear, and because there's also a sign in there that, that that's your only sign that has lettering on it. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And so the sign says "fags," and it's sort of this. It's the most like diminutive, tiny little piece, and it's. Uh, I made it really, really quickly, um, intentionally so, and also the the blue piece uh, uh, that I was just describing. Uh, also, compared to the other works in the show, I made r rather quickly, and so I sort of wanted to have this space in the back be something that was a little bit more um, immediate, you know, where all, the works in the front room, some of them are extremely, extremely labored. Uh, like, some of the works would take, like, two months to six weeks or some six weeks to two months. So, yeah, that's sort of like this, a little bit, yeah, lighter, more immediate Space. Yeah, I'm glad we talked about that. And this, I, I, before we go, I just want to go back to one piece of the of the exhibition, one work that's that's in the main room, and um, you know, which which is all most of this work looks black and white. Now I realize when you're talking about the film, it looks also a little kind of early cinema noirish, and and then there's one image that's of um, of a gaslight, which to me had a direct reference to that, but it's but it stands out from all the others because the others are are in one way or another have figures in them, and uh, as it seems to me, there's this one image doesn't. Is, is that correct? It's just a it is a lamp, a, yeah. a sconce, a gaslight. Yeah, exactly, and it's sort of like I guess it's in a way the most well, yeah, it's a a film still of the gaslight from the film Gaslight, which was created in 1944 or 43, I believe. And um, I think I watched it at the beginning, the very beginning of the lockdown of the pandemic, where I was kind of just like, we're using this term all the time, but I don't understand why, like what it's relating to, like what does it mean? So I wanted to watch it. And then it just sort of seemed like such an iconic thing at this point um, that I was like, yeah, I just want to represent that image kind of in a way that it becomes like a sign, you know, like, or like an emoji. Like, like, how can we reduce that entire sort of abstract, nebulous concept to an image? In the film Gaslight, the gaslight, it's basically about a woman and her husband is like basically meant, mentally abusing her and lying to her, where he's, like, trying to steal her, like, family jewels or something. It's ridiculous. But, right. uh, and then making her question her own, her own reality, what, 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 whether she's exactly. sane or not. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But the, the gaslight is flickering because he's, like, hiding in the attic looking for these treasures or something. So the gaslight is flickering for whatever reason. And um, he's, she's seeing the gaslight flickering, and he's telling her that it's not happening. So... I, what I wanted to point out was that gaslight is, the concept of gaslight is a visual metaphor. Like it's like, it's an environmental visual metaphor about, you know, you see something flickering on the wall and they're telling, you're, you're seeing your environment and someone is telling you you're in, the way you perceive reality and your environment isn't true. Um, so I guess I wanted to use that as this like extended metaphor of like a way of like 
it's just like it's kind of a a scenario of domination is really what it is um, to be dominated and not be able to control the terms for how you perceive reality. And so I guess that's sort of like, you know, can be applied to media and can be applied to the sort of flickering images we see on the wall at the movie theater or something, you know, it's like, or just, yeah, all of these sort of like dominant, uh, you know, media outlets that control so much and they control the sort of like ambient ambient understanding of our reality. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's so interesting because that does loop right around to, to the beginning of the show and how you framed it, this idea of, right, how we present ourselves and how these different platforms, of course, yeah you know, create that whole ambience, as you're saying, that vibe of how we present ourselves, what categories we choose to, to you know, to, to click off or whatever. Um, yeah. That in, that in a sense, I mean, this is what strikes me now, that that all of these platforms are kind of gaslighting us to some extent, right, by uh, forcing us to present ourselves, uh, among other things, in ways that are digestible by others. Yeah. Yeah, my friend Catherine was saying how, she watches the housewives and they all like every single word that comes out of their mouth basically now is like gaslight this and gaslight that and it sort of has no meaning. And I was like, yeah, that's great. And I was sort of thinking about that. Also like just in a culture that's so much predicated on domination that like, yeah, everything sort of is a gaslight. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I want to thank you so much, Sam, for talking with me today. I want to ask you one more question though before we go, which is, um, a little off topic. What are you reading at the moment? Um, I'm reading this book, which fell into my lap, or I like noticed it because of the title, which is Frottage or Frottage, which uh, the subtitle is Frictions of Intimacy Across the Black Diaspora by Kaguro Makaria. He's a Nigerian author, but I've been like thinking about the concept of frottage, which is like a sexual term, like, about rubbing, but it also is an art, art thing where, like, which apparently was first coined by Max Ernst, where you, like, you know, rub a piece of paper over, like, maybe, like, a, a headstone or something, you know, and then... Oh, right, the right, rub a rubbing. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I had just had that word stuck in my head for a while, and then I was, like, I make, I've been making these new works in my studio that involve, like, basically dragging the pieces of painted steel across the... across like through the street basically. And so I wanted to call it Frottage on Steel. Um, or that's what I'm going. So anyway, I saw the title. I was like, I have to read this. And so far it's, about, and he's sort of like, he's, he's tr using Frottage as a metaphor about like a queer experience of diaspora. So it's really interesting. Thanks so much. I'm so glad you mentioned um, the particular book. Sam, thanks so much for talking with me today. I wish you Wish you well with this upcoming show. It's a beautiful show. Um, congrats on that, and thanks so much for talking with me today. Thank you so much. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.